Bible with me this morning. We want to begin with our declaration. We believe that as we spend time in the Word of God, that we're actually changed. This is not just tradition. We don't go through the motion. What we believe the Word of God changes us. Would you hold it up wherever you are, your Bible, your iPad, your laptop, your desktop, whatever you got, would you say it with me? This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 13? And I just want to say bless you, all of you who bring your Bibles with you. Those of you who bring your notepads, those of you who bring your pens, that is a revelation of a heart that is hungry to grow and to learn and to be changed. So I want to bless you, those of you at home. I encourage you to grab a notepad and a pen, grab your Bible, open it up. Mark chapter 13, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I encourage you to read it sometime this week. This is the chapter in the book of Mark that talks about the signs of the end of the age. The signs of the end of the age. And I only want to read a couple of verses this morning. You can read through all the rest of it. But beginning at verse 32, <clears throat> these are in red. The words of Jesus, he says this, No one knows about that day or that hour. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. Let me read that first one again. No one knows about that day or that hour. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. I want to tell you this morning, <clears throat> I don't <clears throat> like being behind the pulpit here this morning. As I was preparing and as waiting in the Lord, I want to tell you, these, this is one of those messages where I would far rather be sitting in your living room or you sitting in my living room. And we would have a chance to sit together and we'd have a chance to talk about and have conversation about what I'm going to share with you because I want to tell you that today's message is going to leave you with more questions than answers. I would love to be able to share this and afterward have all the questions asked and we could discuss that. It doesn't work that way. Not even legal for me to be in your home or for you to be in mine. So coming into your home this way and we'll have opportunity for those questions later. I want to tell you some things you already know over this past 10 months, but specifically in these last couple of months, after the results of the November 3rd election in the U.S. and all that has taken place since that time, I want to tell you for so many, and I've heard it from so many, they have a sense that this is marking an acceleration toward those things that need to take place before the departure of the church. There are many who are feeling things are moving quickly in that direction. <clears throat> this Wednesday, and I've alluded to it already, unless there is divine intervention, a new president will step in the Oval Office and bring with him sweeping changes that will affect not just the United States, but the entire world. I want to give you just a couple. On Wednesday an order will be issued for trillions of dollars to be printed in the United States and to be spent in a way that no administration or no president has ever done, weakening and potentially collapsing an economy. Billions 
will be given to facilitate the slaughter of unborn around the world. There are some who estimate in the next four years over 200 million unborn children will be killed as a result of U.S. funding. Freedom of speech has already been taken away. Unless you were alive during the Second World War, we would have never known this. There has never been a time when freedom of speech has been removed. In fact, there were countless of thousands of individuals who fought for freedom of speech to be maintained. A week and a half ago, it was removed. And the snowball is falling down the hill faster and faster. Freedom of religion. Let me say it to you bluntly, freedom of religion is going to be hindered, if not removed. Not only in the United States of America, but in this pagan nation, empowered and emboldened by a godless leadership. Vaccinations with biotrackers is going to become mandatory. Yes, we can listen. It's not going to be mandatory. You don't have to. What they have said is, in the beginning, it won't be mandatory. There will come a leader who will make biotracker vaccines mandatory. Taxes are going to rise. We've already heard it. The wall protecting borders is going to come down. And the United States of America is going to become like Germany that opened its borders to hundreds of thousands of refugees that has brought that nation into devastation. We will be entering into a day where cash will disappear. There are those who are saying within one year we are going to move to digital currency. If we'd have talked about that a year ago, we would have said, we knew that's coming, but not that quickly. Today, I can say to you, most of us believe in one year there will be no problem with that. As I said to you earlier, in three days, you and I will watch Israel be abandoned. And in the United Nations, the only holdout nation who has stood for Israel and against the masses will no longer be the holdout nation. Israel is preparing and is prepared to stand alone. I don't know if you heard it this past week. Iran is now calling upon the United States of America to compensate them $7 billion for what they lost during the four years under the Trump administration. They're they're asking for it to be sent the way it was last time, in cargo planes, in suitcases, in cash, $7 billion. And in three days, we will likely see a new administration rejoin the Iranian deal and spend $7 billion to enter back in. We could go on all day. We are not ignorant of what is going to take place. And I want to tell you, there will be things happen that none of us have ever thought about yet. 
It did not cross my mind when almost a million people a week and a half ago Wednesday stood to pray and to worship and to be there to support a president, but to call upon God to touch a nation. It didn't cross my mind that the enemy would unload buses and have those who would open the door and open the gates and lead them through the White House into places they would never have known to go. And as a result of that, blame one man. And for the first time in history, vote a second vote. A trumped-up impeachment. Never crossed my mind. I want to tell you there is a wisdom to the enemy that requires the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to overcome. I am praying for that. In the midst of all of this, I want to tell you one of the things that has come to me over and over as people have phoned, as I've talked to people, people have come and said, Pastor Colin, I am sensing an urgency. There are those in my life I've been praying for for years. There are those in my family I've been praying for for years. The door has not opened for me to talk to them. They're not open to talk. How do I, in these days, there's an urgency. How do I reach them? How do I talk to them? How can I get a message across to them in these days, especially as it's getting shorter? I want to tell you, we know the heart of the Father that not one of his children should be lost, that all should be saved. But I want to tell you, for so many of us, we have been praying for so long for some of those in our lives without seemingly seeing any results, any openness, any softness, without there being an opportunity for us to talk to them about what matters most in our life. And can I just say, Corona does not matter most in our life. Christ does. Can I encourage you to talk more about Christ than Corona? The witness of the church has been hijacked. We're talking like people of the world. The reality is, we want them saved, we want them in heaven. We don't want them to miss the first load that goes and experience the seven years that come after. We don't want that for them. So how do we reach them? Especially in these days as they are shortening, and again, because no one knows the day or the hour, I couldn't care less if it's tomorrow or if it's 100 years. How do we reach them? I will never forget in the early years of my Christian walk. I heard the story of two men. You've heard this before. Until Jesus comes back, you're going to hear it again. Two men who every day for 40 years rode the same bus to work. The one man got on at the bus stop, the next bus stop, the other man got on for 40 years. They traveled together. They traveled back. One got off for 40 years. They talked, built relationship on the bus. 40 years. One day, the one man got on the bus, got to the next stop. His friend did not get on. 
He went to work that day. He inquired at work. Nobody knew anything. He got back home again. He ended up phoning, ended up talking to the man's wife who informed him that that night before, his friend had had a heart attack. He's in the hospital in intensive care. The next day after work, on the way home, the man took the bus, went to the hospital, was able to get in to see his friend. And as he was talking with his friend, getting close to the end of the conversation, he said to his friend, he said, I need to share something with you. Are you open? And his friend said, absolutely. For the next 10 or 15 minutes, that man shared about his faith in Christ, shared about the difference Christ made in his life, shared about how his relationship with Christ was the most important thing in his entire life, and he did not want his friend to die without knowing him and going to heaven. When he had finished, his friend was quiet for a moment. He sat there quiet for a moment. And all of a sudden, his friend on the bed looked at him and said, I don't believe you. The man in the chair responded and said, what do you mean you don't believe me? He said, if what you just said is really true, you would not have waited 40 years to tell me. And the next day, that man died without receiving Christ in his life. For those of us who believe, our relationship with Christ is the most important thing in our life, hands down. Take everything else away. For you and I even take our life away. Because for us to live is Christ, for us to die is what? Gain. The fear of death has been plucked out of us. That's why believers all around the world take their house away. Oh well. Take their farm away. Oh well. Take their job away. Oh well. Take their children away. Painful, but oh well. Renounce the Lord or I'll take your life away. Oh well. Because for us, Christ is everything. And the last step of us losing our life, it is not lost like the enemy thinks. It's gain. It's gain. We step into what we've been believing for for our entire life. We want that for those we love in this world. I want to tell you, this heart that aches for the unsaved, our unsaved children, our unsaved family, our unsaved co-workers, this heart that aches for them to know Jesus, I want to tell you, it's not just a want to. I just don't want my family to know the Lord. No, 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 no. And it's not just a, I hope so. I hope at some time they will get to the place where they can receive and believe. I, it's not a want to and it's not a hope. 
I want to tell you this morning, and some of you may not like this, it actually crosses a line into the area of responsibility. Accountability that you and I have. For those of us who know the single truth that determines people's eternity, there is something required of us. There is. I would like you to turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 33. I would like you to set your eyes on it because I want you to see it. I'm not making it up. When you get angry, don't get angry with me. I want you to read along with me beginning at verse 1, Ezekiel chapter 33. And I want you to hear what the Spirit of God has spoken to the watchmen all down through time. This is Ezekiel the prophet speaking. He says, the word of the Lord came to me. Can I just say clearly, this isn't Ezekiel's word This is not my word. This is not the committee or the convention word. He goes, the word of the Lord. Would you receive this as the word of the Lord today? Son of man, speak to your countrymen and say to them, when I bring the sword against the land and the people of the land choose one of their men and make him their watchman, And he sees the sword coming against the land and blows the trumpet to warn the people. Then, if anyone hears the trumpet, but does not take warning, and the sword comes and takes his life, his blood will be on his own head. Since he heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not take the warning, his blood will be on his own head. If he had taken the warning, he would have saved himself. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people, and the sword comes and takes the life of one of them, that man will be taken away because of his sin, but I will hold the watchman accountable for his blood. Should I read on? Son of man... I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. I have made you a watchman. So hear the word that I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you will surely die, and you do not speak out and dissuade him from his ways, that wicked man will die for his sin, and I will hold you accountable for his blood. But if you warn the wicked man to turn from his ways and he does not do so, he will die for his sin. But you will have saved yourself. What is it saying? If we see the sword coming, if we see the rapture coming. If we see that hell is coming, 
and say nothing. There is an accountability. I wonder if that's why scripture says it would have been better for some to have never known than to have known and said nothing about it. I wonder. But if we see it coming, if we know it's coming, and let me tell you, we know it's coming, and we say something, we blow the trumpet, we cry out the warning, the responsibility of what they do with that lies with them. It transfers to them. And it is off of us. I don't want you to quote me. But today I'm going to preach a message that will empower you to be less responsible. Did you hear me? I'm going to preach a message that will empower you to be responsible for what you're responsible for and not carry what you are not to carry. the blood, or the eternity of those we did not speak to. The question is this. How do I do my part? How do I blow the trumpet with those who don't want to hear it from me? How do I warn those that seem to be totally closed? I want to share with you a few things today that I believe may be helpful this morning in transferring responsibility where it needs to lie. I want you to understand, in spite of what people tell you, and I want you to hear this clearly, in spite of what people tell you, our desire to share the message of Christ is because we love people. It's because we love them that we want them to know. I want to tell you, we are entering into today, into a day, and I believe we're already here, when people are going to say, if you love them, you wouldn't try and shove your gospel down their throat. If you love them, you would accept what they believe. If you love them, you would accept their orientation. If you love them, you would accept their religion. You wouldn't challenge it. You wouldn't try and say your stuff. You wouldn't try and convince them. If you love them, you'd let them be. Can I tell you? That is a lie from the pit of hell. It's because we love them, we challenge the lie. It's because we love them that we do what we do. When someone says to you, if you love them, you would just back off, you look at them and go, no, that's hate. Love cares about their eternity. Love cares about what happens after. I don't need them to like me now. I need them to love me later. I want to give you a few things this morning. For those of you who are here, you'll see them on the screen. For those of you who aren't, I'm just going to write them on the board. I want you to just write down, the first one is Pray. I'm not going to spend any time with this because the truth is we've been praying for some of us. You've been praying for years. For some of us, 30, 40 years, we've been praying for people in our life. 
And I'm gonna tell you this, don't stop praying. Don't stop. But I want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine if all we did was pray and that was it, would that be enough? I want you to imagine for a moment if you were a parent and you had children and you took the attitude and said, you know, I'm going to pray that my children choose good food. I'm not going to tell them what to eat. I'm not going to prepare it for them. I'm just going to pray that they choose good food. And you sat there and you watched as they took Cheerios and you watched as they drank Coke and you watched as they ordered pizza and you watched and said, I'm just going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep on praying. Can I ask you, what kind of a parent would you be? My responsibility is to pray for my children, but after I pray, my responsibility is to empower my children to do it right, to eat properly, to choose for them. If all we have chosen to do is to pray and do nothing else, can I tell you, we have fallen short. Someone once said, prayer is not the end. It's the beginning. Praying is important. It's the first step, but it is not the last step. But we need to pray. Can I say this to you? Of all the things I'm going to share with you this morning, this is the only one you don't need people's permission to do. There's the odd time where I'll ask people and say, are you open if I pray for you? I've stopped asking that. I had too many people go, no. When I walk into the store and I'm dealing with someone across the register and they're hacking and they're sick, this is before everybody was afraid that COVID was going to kill you and as soon as you had a runny nose, you had to isolate. What a great way for a holiday, hey? But I used to before talk to them and they'd tell me and they're hacking and they're they're almost dying and I go, are you open if I pray for you? And I've had people go, no, I don't want you to pray for me. I broke the law. I prayed for them anyway. But I want to tell you, I don't need our prime minister's permission to pray for him. I don't need Putin's permission to pray for him. I don't need one single member of my family. I don't need their permission to pray for them. That is a boundary I can cross without their permission. Praise God, because I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to God about them. Everything else you need permission for. Would you write down number two? Would you just write down 15 minutes? I want to tell you a story. I was 17 years old when I gave my life to Christ. I was changed forever. One of the first things that God laid upon my heart was for me to go back and to share with the other four guys that were a part of the pack of five of us going through high school. We did everything together. The Lord laid on my heart to go back to these other four young men and to share with them what I knew, to share with them what had happened to me because my heart was for them to experience the same thing. God planted his heart in my heart. I began to pray about it. What God laid on my heart, he said, Colin, he said, what I want you to do is I want you to phone each of the four men. He said, I want you to tell them that there has been something happened in your life and all I'm asking for is for 15 minutes. Could I get together with you? 
Could I have 15 minutes of your time? I want to share with you what happened, and I promise you, after I share those 15 minutes, I will never bring it up in our relationship again. I phoned them. One at a time. Took me a number of months after I first got saved. But over a period of months, I sat down with all four of my best friends. I shared with them what happened in my life. I told them about receiving Jesus. For 15 minutes, they listened to me. None of them asked me a question. At the end of those four meetings, none of them prayed to receive Christ. None. Today, one of those men is already dead. And to my knowledge, he died without knowing the Lord. The other three men are still alive. To my knowledge, none of those men are walking with the Lord today. Can I ask you, is where they are at today my responsibility or theirs? My responsibility was to blow the trumpet to them. My responsibility was to warn them. And not after 40 years. I look back and I'm so thankful at the beginning of my walk, God said, Colin, I want you to do this now. You've got the closest of relationship. You sit down. You transfer to them the truth. If they receive it, their eternity is changed. If they don't receive it, it's off of you. I want to tell you my goal that day, knowing those young men, knowing our lifestyle, knowing how we partied, knowing they were in the world, my goal that day was not to pray with them to receive Christ. I would have loved that. I was thankful they gave me 15 minutes. My goal was to warn. My goal was to share. My goal was to plant some seed. For some of you, To contact a person in your life who does not want to talk to you, does not want to see you, does not want to hear from you, this may not work. But for some of you who have known family or friends, you have just never felt comfortable sharing, talking, they've never opened the door for you to say, I need 15 minutes. Will you give me 15 minutes? transfers their blood from you to them. That's it. I want you to pray about that. Who knows that your 15 minutes may be the words they need to hear to change their eternity. Would you write down number three? Would you write down invite to church one time 
I love the story of Jerry Seville. <clears throat> His wife, Carolyn, was a believer in the early years. Like every believing wife, she wanted so badly for her husband to be saved that she would ask him to go to church with her. She would ask him, she would ask him, she would ask him. The more he did, he said, the more he pulled away. He just became more and more bitter, more and more hard. I think he used the word dripping tap. He tells the story of Kenneth Copeland coming to town. His wife, Carolyn, was going to the meetings. She so badly wanted him to go, he wouldn't go. For Jerry, that was the same as any other preacher that he went to. She eventually said to him, she said, Jerry, I'll make a deal with you. You come to one meeting. If you come to one meeting, I will never ask you to go to church or to another meeting again. Give me one meeting and I'll shut up. Jerry said, now that's a deal I could win. Jerry talks about that night. Got home from work. Showered up. Went with his wife to the meeting. She was praying like crazy. At that meeting that night, God touched his heart. The rest is history. I want to tell you, for some of you, the Holy Spirit is going to lead you to say to that person in your life, one time. That's all I'm asking, one time. I've heard about your church. It's got a reputation. Just one time, that's all I'm asking. I've known people who've gone there and they don't go anymore. Just one time, that's all I'm asking. And if the Holy Spirit has prepared them and they go, okay, if you'll shut up, I'll come one time. It's at that point you begin praying like crazy. Oh God, when they come to church, nothing weird. Don't let them bring a horse. Don't let them cut a lamb's throat in the church. Don't let them drop his pants and wear diapers. God, just normal, would you? Believe me, God has the ability on the Sunday of his choosing to make sure that everything happens on that Sunday that is supposed to happen for that one person. If we can't trust God for that, what can we trust him for? Do you know there are people who've been in church for years and years and years who have never brought one person who have never brought family, who've never brought kids, who've never brought their neighbors, they've never went and said, just one time would you come? Well, no, I'm a different denomination. I understand that. Just one time and I'll shut up. How many people's testimony is, I went to church one time and God got me. For some of you, God is going to give you the boldness to say to that person, one time. I will never bring it up again. I'll never ask you again. Just one time. And when you do, and when the Spirit of God moves, and when the message is preached, and when the opportunity to receive Christ come, the responsibility transfers from you over to them. Their blood is off you. But the opportunity for their eternity happens that day. Would you write down number four? 
Would you write down, write a letter? Write a letter. For 15 minutes, you need their permission. For them to come to church, you need their permission. I'm going to say to you, to write them a letter, you need their permission. Have you ever been blindsided by somebody who wrote a letter? They wanted to correct you. They wanted to tell you. You opened it up. You thought it was going to be welcoming and friendly, and all it was was corrective, and by the time you were done, you were harder against what they said than before they even did it. When you ask permission, you phone them up and you say, I need to ask you something. There is something that is so heavy on my heart to share with you. I care about you. If I didn't, I wouldn't be asking you this. But I want to ask you, I am feeling led to write you a letter with what is on my heart. Would you be open to receive it and read it? You don't need to respond to it. You don't need to ask questions. You don't even need... To to bring it up, we don't have to talk about it again. Would you be open if I wrote a letter and sent it to you? Would you be willing to read it? And that's it. I will never do it again. Do you remember the parable that Jesus gave when he talked about the sower and the seed? That whole parable is often talked about like the farmer was stupid. I don't believe the farmer was stupid. What it did say is when the farmer went out to sow... As he sowed the seam, there were some that fell on the hard, some that fell on the rocky, some that fell on the thorny. But most of it, it's the same today. You get a big farmer out in the field, there's going to be some. If they're shooting it that lands on the road, not much. There'll be some, hard path. What I want you to understand is the description of all of those grounds, really what it's talking about is the condition of people's hearts. I want to tell you, there are some people out there today, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, The harvest field is ripe. There are people who are just waiting for someone to come and talk to them about the Lord and have the balls to introduce them to Jesus. They're just waiting for that. Part of the problem is there's not a lot of harvesters. So what is the issue? We got those in our world whose hearts are hard like concrete. That's what I'm trying to reach. Those who got thorny, they're so tied up in the cares of this life, they don't have a thought or time for the things of God. There are those, their soil is rocky. They've been wounded. They got addictions. They are hurt. They are, how do I reach into their lives? Let me tell you, if I'm not interested about bringing in the harvest that's easy, how will I ever reach the ones with the heart. God changed my heart. My job is to just get some seed on the concrete. That's my job. After I get the seed on the hard soil, I'll back away and I'll let the seed do its job. Have you ever seen a seed split concrete? Have you ever seen it split a sidewalk? Have you ever seen it split? There's power in the seed. The issue is, how does it get there? Me? For some of you, 
This is going to be the best way to drop a little bit of seed on that pavement, on that rocky, on that thorny. This is going to be the best way. Let me tell you why. Some of you have believed a lie that when it comes to sharing your faith, I don't know what I would say. Some of you get, I, 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 I get lost in that moment. Some of you even go, I don't even have a testimony. What a life in a pit of hell. When I was in California and I stood on the balcony of our friend's office and Arnold Schwarzenegger came along and I shook his hand, I didn't need to have a long testimony. I just went, I shook Arnie's hand. My testimony was just meeting him. How is it possible for you to meet Jesus and not have a testimony? I'll, have, I'll tell you how. The enemy has lied his flippant face off and you have believed it. I'll tell you why a letter is going to work for some of you. After the Holy Spirit gives you the boldness to phone and ask the question and just be ready, they may go, no, I'm not interested in a letter. If that's the case, you've transferred responsibility. You've done your part. You blew the trumpet. You opened the door. If they shut it down, Jesus said it pretty tough. Can I say it? He said it pretty tough. He goes, you go to that place you want to share and they shut you down. He goes, just leave and just wipe your feet off, would you? Oh, that's hard to do. And can I tell you, I don't really believe that we're to wipe our feet off because what we have the ability to do is keep on praying. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. But for some of you, when they go, okay, if you'll shut up, you can send a letter. For some of you, it allows you to take the time to think Takes you the time to write it down. Take you the time to pray. Take you the time to have someone read it and, and make sure it's not loaded. You got time to work this through. You can scribble it up and throw it away a hundred times before you send it in the mail. Some of you who go, I just don't have the words. You've got the time to get the words. And can I tell you, you send that letter. Before you do, you pray over it. Before you do, you surround yourself with two or three of your prayer warriors you lay hands on that letter. You pray that that letter is so anointed that when it gets there, they can't help but pick it up. They can't help but read it. They can't help but get what's in the letter on the inside of them. You pray over that letter. You anoint that letter. You believe that is seed that is going to land on the soil of their heart. And now the Holy Spirit has something to work with. Can I say to you, when you mail that letter, you transfer responsibility from you onto them. These are for non-believers, by the way. These are for non-believers, those who have never walked with the Lord. For those who have known the Lord and have fallen away, for those who've wandered into unbelief, false doctrine, none of the above might work. None of the above might work. I just want to tell you that. There is a different kind of hardness in the life of a person who was once a believer, who has walked away. There's a different hardness. There's a different callousness. There is a different spirit inside of those people. I want to just tell you, first of all, if you do any of these with those who've fallen away, you still get their permission. The second one, I want you to think about this, and I say this so carefully. I'm going to say it 
the way Jesus did, and then I'm going to bring correction to it because I don't want to be misinterpreted. I don't want any letters. I don't want emails. Who was it who made the statement, do not throw your pearls before swine? Who said that? God did. That is not calling a non-believer or a prodigal a swine. Let me tell you what it refers to. It refers to people who don't value what you believe. It refers to people who don't value your words. It refers to people who don't value your convictions. If you went to them and you laid all that out there, they don't value it, they trample it. What it's saying is they would trample it in the mud just like a pig would do. Can I say to you, do not waste your pearls on those who will trample them. My non-believing friends did not trample. Do you know why? Because they were non-believing. They did what they did after them. It is prodigals. It is believers who have fallen away. It is people who have a hardness coming out of the church that will trample. Don't. You don't need the abuse and neither do I. And why should I give my pearls to those who will trample them when my pearls have the ability to bring eternity, to change lives, to bring healing and deliverance? Why should I put down there to be trampled what can change lives over here? I got to tell you, some of you have already had this happen. Some of you will. All you need to be is a pastor for more than a week. There are going to be people who don't like what you say. I want to tell you healthy people when they struggle with you, healthy people will phone you up and say, Pastor Call, can I get together with you? There, there are some things you've said that I struggle with. Could we get together? I want to talk to you about it. I'm not going to talk to anybody else about it because I'm not supposed to. That, that's unhealthy. That's dysfunctional. I want to talk to you about it. Unhealthy people are hard to find. I mean, healthy people are hard to find. Can I tell you what bitter people do? Can I tell you what hurting people? Can I tell you what a lot of prodigals do? What a lot of religious spirit? They won't come to you. They will slam you with everybody else who will listen. They will slam you on the internet. They will slam you in the arena. They will slam you in the coffee shop. They will slam you in every opportunity they have. They will slam you out there, but never to your face. You need to be prepared for that. I do not waste my pearls on them. I don't. Jesus said, don't you either. In fact, I want to tell you one really hard one. The Apostle Paul said this. For some of them, who've got that hardness, that bitterness, that religious spirit, that critical, that judgmental, those who would take your pearls and they would slam them, slam them, slam them, The Apostle Paul said this. He goes, "Um, what you need to do? He said, you need to turn them over to Satan. Turn them over to the world. In order for their body to be destroyed, in order for their spirit 
and soul to be saved. Does that sound hard to you? Can I tell you bluntly? When the prodigal left home and took half of his inheritance, did daddy run after him? You know what daddy began praying? Heavenly Father, would you do what you have to do to bring my son to his pig pen experience? Would you bring him to a place where everything he thinks is fun is no longer fun? With what he thinks is life, he sees it to be death. Where everything he thinks is wonderful ends up. Would you bring him to the pig pen? Would you destroy his life, destroy his livelihood, destroy his confidence in himself? Bring him to the pig pen! Because in the pig pen, when everything is gone, when the enemy has destroyed everything in their life, he goes... He came to himself. He woke up. He finally realized. Can I tell you, do not drop your pearls on any person until they have a pig pen, until they're repentant, until they're broken, until they come back and go, I am sorry. And can I tell you what the father did? He did not run after him. His love waited until the enemy and the world brought him to nothing in the slop of the pigs. But when that boy came to himself and started coming, can I tell you, when you see them coming back, you run to them. And don't believe a word they say. Because they're going to come and go, I'm not worthy. And you go, shut up, you're worthy. They're going to go, oh, I'm no longer fit to be your son. Make me a slave and go, stop, you're my son. That has not changed. We're in that day, friends. We're in a day where we can no longer wait 40 years in order for the opportunity to open self up and be convenient and comfortable for me. We're no longer in that day. We're no longer in a day where it's, boy, I, I want them to get saved, or boy, I hope they get saved. No, we're, we're past that. We're in the day of responsibility. I hold the penicillin that has the ability to kill their infection. I just want you to raise your hand today. If in your world, there are people that you know that if Jesus came back at 1230 in 23 minutes, would have to endure the tribulation because they're not ready. Just raise your hand if you know anybody who's like that. We all do. For some of you I know, the Lord told me that some of you are not happy about hearing this message today. Because now that you know, you're accountable. Let me just set you free. You have the ability to be disobedient as much as you want. Isn't that good news? But the Spirit of God has already been working. The Spirit of God has already been preparing. The Spirit of God has already been laying on many of your hearts going, how? In the midst of this, we're coming down. Things are happening quick. There is countdown. How do I reach? How do I get in? How do I plant a seed? How do I do it? 
I want to just say this really clear. If you think those are the only four options, you're mistaken. The Spirit of God has more creativity in his little finger than I do in my entire body. If your heart is to reach them, he will give you a way. I want to declare to you what you need to hear. For those of you who know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I declare to you today, you are a watchman. The mantle is on you. You have the opportunity to remain silent when you see the sword coming. Or you have the opportunity to blow the trumpet and to transfer responsibility. You have the choice. Dana, would you come? Would you bow with me this morning? Today I first want to speak to any of you as you have been listening, who know that there's never been a time in your life where you have prayed the prayer and made the decision to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I would be remiss in these days at the end of every message if there was not an opportunity for you to choose as an act of your will to place your faith in Jesus Christ, to have your sin forgiven, and for you to have the hope of eternity. If that is you today, I just want you to repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I have known about you. I've heard about you. But I have never received you. As an act of my will, I ask you now to come into my life. Would you forgive me of all of my sin and be my savior? And right now, I step off the throne of my life. And I invite you to be Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Have your way in me and through me. If you have prayed that prayer, I want to say welcome to the family of God. The Bible says you have been born again. For those of us who are here and we've been walking with the Lord, some of us only a short period of time, some of us for years and years. And we're in the category of those who, I'm just going to win them with friendship. I'm just going to keep riding the bus. The door will open one day. The opportunity might arise. Something's going to happen. Maybe someone else will do it so I don't have to. But if you're at a place today where the Spirit of God has already been preparing you, already putting inside of you an ache and a hunger, and this is more than just want to or more than I hope so, but it's what can I do? God. The Spirit of God has been stirring that inside of you. Those of you here today, right where you are, I'm going to ask you to stand because I need to speak over you. For those of you who are not there, for those of you who are still at a place where you're going, that's not my conviction. I don't feel led yet to be used by God. I don't feel led to reach the lost. I don't feel, just, just remain in your seat. That's okay. God's not done with you. 
But if the Spirit of God has been putting on you a desire, an urgency, I want you to stand where you are. I want you to look around the room, first of all. Those of you standing, you look around. I want you to understand that it's not just you. The Spirit of God is doing this in believers. I believe all across, but he's doing this in this place. The Spirit of God is planting the heart of the Father on the inside of us. We're not alone. Would you bow with me this morning? Father, right now you are looking at the heart of every person who has stood who has recognized that you have planted your heart on the inside of them during these days to begin doing, to begin stepping out, to begin reaching in a way that maybe has never happened before with an urgency, with a criticalness of time. I thank you, Holy Spirit, they have heard you. They have sensed you on the inside. And because you have begun it, you are faithful to bring this to completion. You are the one who will empower. You are the one who will give boldness. You are the one who will remove the fear of men, what their opinion is of me. Father, in the upper room that day, when the Spirit of God fell upon the disciples, they went from fear to boldness. They began functioning in a love that said, I am going to get the message out there. They don't need to like me. I love them. Father, would you release that anointing? Would you release that Pentecost upper room anointing? I ask, Father, with every one of them that you would begin one by one. Make the names clear. Make the strategy clear. For those who sit in conversations, I declare Matthew 10, it will not be them speaking, but you speaking through them. Holy Spirit, you have promised to do that. I release that over them. For those who are going to write a letter in that moment, Holy Spirit, would you be the one who flows through them your words on that letter, preparing the hearts of those who will receive it? Father, there is creative ways you have to reach every type of heart. I just speak right now over those hard, hard, hard hearts that are out there. I begin to speak a rain of your spirit on those hearts. They would begin to soften when the phone call comes. There would be openness. There would be receptivity. Father, if all they hear is, I just ask one time, I will never ask you again. I will never ask you again. Lord, let that be the thing, like Jerry Seville, that opens him. We declare today, Father, we will not be watchmen on the wall who remain silent when we see what's coming. We declare today we will blow the trumpet. We declare today we will sound the alarm. We declare today we will sow the seed. Holy Spirit, right now, would you pour out and would you seal? I just need to ask one question. If you're at home, you respond as well. One question. 
Some of you have been bound up by the fear of man, people's opinion. You've been concerned about what people would think about you. Right now, the Spirit of God is saying, if you're open, I will remove that. I will shatter that from your life. I will bring you into the fear of God and not the fear of man anymore. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. Just put it up and bring it down again. Bring it down. Spirit of God, you've seen them. Right now, would you remove? Your word says the perfect love, a revelation of the perfect love casts out fear. Would you fill and anoint with perfect love that that fear of the opinions of men would be gone? Father, your opinion of me alone, your opinion of me alone is what matters. Would you release that over every person? I declare freedom in you today. Freedom in you today. Father, when you look around the room, it's amazing how many unsaved people are represented here that will be touched by a phone call, touched by a letter, touched by coming to church one time. It is amazing the representation right now in this room. There is a harvest. You've told us there is a harvest coming in. We release a grace over all of those receive from us in this next period of time. And in advance, Father, we say thank you. Blow our socks off above and beyond what we could ask or imagine. And everybody will know it's you because it certainly isn't us. Would you all stand with me today and receive the blessing of the Lord? I declare to you what you know. The Lord has blessed you and he's keeping you. The Lord has caused his face to shine on you and he has been incredibly gracious to you. The Lord has lifted up his countenance upon you and he has packed you full of his peace. I declare that in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And everybody believing and receiving said, amen. God bless you richly this week. Thank you for joining us in service today. We'll see you next Sunday.